Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed, Bonnie in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is season six of one of our very most ever favorite Game Changers radio series. So as I always say at the beginning, if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Well, actually, it's probably not on the street. It's probably sequestered somewhere. But here's the buzz from Ari Seth Cohen, a photographer, a writer at Advanced Style. And here's the quote. Listen up. This will set us up for our topic today. He says, we need to get over the idea that age is a barrier to expressing yourself on social media. Hmm. So just let that sink in. I don't care what age you are around the world. Just think about that. Is age a barrier? Are you too young? Could you be too old? Well, a 2019 AARP magazine article about social influencers who are over the age of 50 talked about the fact that they are up in that age range. They are not the 20s. They're not the 30s. They're not the millennials. But you know what? There's a stereotype for people over 50, 60, and etc. The stereotype is that some of them still think of social selling as going to a diner, going to a restaurant, sitting across a table or a counter and having coffee with a customer versus the millennials. Oh, those young go-getters who are the social selling experts. And I have to do a quick shout out of appreciation to one of our panelists today, Lynn Lupo, who you'll meet briefly in a moment for the research. And this was from an article she wrote for Forbes SAP Brand Voice. That's where we got this great information from. So here's a reality check. Social selling is a balancing act for anybody who practices it and anybody who receives it. I think that includes most of us today. Here are some numbers. 66% of LinkedIn users are between the ages of 46 and 56 plus, and that's not surprising. Why? The average age of Fortune 500 CEOs, Fortune 500, is 58 years old. Okay, so get over it. Wow. 25 to 34-year-olds are LinkedIn's global advertising audience's biggest cohort. So we've got nice bookends there. We've got quite an age spread. The takeaway for your company, those of you who are listening around the world, employees of all ages can become passionate social advocates for your brand, your company, your industry. And by leveraging all generations' talents, you can address the needs and interests of a multi-generational customer base and attract prospects to join that customer base. I have three experts on the show today. We're going to be speaking with Riley Hopkinson at Grapevine 6. Very happy to have Grapevine 6 back on the show. Kurt Shaver at Vengresso. Always happy to have someone from Vengresso. And Lynn Lupo at SAP. I mentioned she's the author of the article we referenced. They're going to share their insights on how you can kickstart this culture of change in your company and now you can overcome the challenges and we'll find out what those are of intergenerational digital selling. So I'm just going to cap this off with, we're going to talk today about the top five, 10, I don't know, maybe a hundred reasons why your company needs to leverage multi-generational digital selling. Welcome again. And now it's time for me to ask our panelists to introduce themselves briefly. Riley Hopkinson, welcome to Game Changers. Please tell us who you are, what you do, and just briefly, what does this topic mean to you? Go ahead, Riley. 
Hi, Bonnie. Yes, I am a client success manager at, uh, at Grapevine 6. Um, we are um, a social selling platform, a content engagement platform. Um, so obviously this is a, a topic that's very important to us and, and all of our clients, uh, something that's really relevant, especially uh, today. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Riley. Why did you? How did you get into this field? It's an interesting field. Uh, what does social selling mean to you? I know we talk about building relationships. We talk about not force feeding selling messages down the throats of people you meet and getting to know people on a very human basis. And now with Zoom and other video conferencing platforms, we have even more of an opportunity on a regular basis, for better or for worse, to actually see people remotely. So, just some quick thoughts about that, Riley. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is it a good thing or a bad thing if uh, to not be able to see people anymore? Well, no, for, to to be I, able to see be able to see people now to start those relationships through video conferencing, where before we might have just done it on the phone or just through a social platform. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I think I think there's good opportunity for both. I think I think now with everything that's going on, it's going to put a precedent on um, you know those digital conversations. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just. Um, sort of the new norm for now. Um, I, I think people are, are just learning to adapt, adapt quickly and, um, and sort of continue to, to, to move along here. But, um, I don't necessarily think that that's a, that's a bad thing. I just think that, um, it's sort of expediting, uh, where we were already heading. Thank you. Great, great answer. And what I was thinking, and I'll get the rest of the panel to reflect on it, what I was thinking was we're talking about multi-generational, intergenerational, multi-age, that big age span of who is going to be the influencers, who's going to be doing the social selling, the skills, talents, and perspectives of different age cohorts, if you will, demographic cohorts. And with video conferencing, we're seeing people we might have only seen on social media digitally, and therefore the age thing does come into play. I'm, I'm not going to ask you more about that, Riley. I'm going to see what, what our other panelists have to say. Kurt Shaver at Vangresso, welcome. It's been a long time since we've spoken. Hope you are well. And Kurt, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience in case they don't remember you? Sure. Great, Bonnie. Nice to be back. Uh, I am the ACO founder of Vangresso, and I also act as the chief sales officer. Vangresso is a digital sales training company. So we teach uh, B2B sellers primarily on two skills, one being social selling, which we're talking about here, and mm-hmm. the other being uh, digital video messaging, which you were sort of getting into ju- there just a minute. So it's really applying those two skills. We say it's, it's, you know, it's the communication and prospecting skills that were invented this century that we really <laughs> yeah. focus on uh, teaching B2B salespeople how to leverage B2B salespeople of any age. Yes. What's your thought, Kurt, now that we have video conferencing on a daily basis that people can see and judge what age group you're in? Maybe. What do you think? Is that going to change things? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I, I mean, I th- in general, I think it's a great thing. You know, mm-hmm. over the last probably 30 years, there's been it's a macro trend from uh, field salespeople to inside salespeople. And, of course, in the last two months, almost everyone became an inside salespeople in their yes. spare bedroom. Um, <laughs> so I think that the ability to show your personality and to see, uh, you know, facial expressions and all that, uh, all that is is good from the 
um, age standpoint, I think that, it, it, again, it's also good because it's representing really who you are. I think it kind of puts a little bit of a uh, obligation on people to just be genuine and be authentic and, you know, be who they are. And so showing up on a Zoom conference is no different than if they showed up in the boardroom, right, in person. Right. So um, yep. I, think, I, th- I think all of these trends are positive for sales. Thank you very much. Let's go one more stop around the table. Lynn Lupo, welcome, Lynn. Nice to meet you. And Lynn, why don't you tell people what you do and how you came to write that interesting article I was referencing at the start of the show. Awesome. Thanks so much and and really happy to be here. Uh, My name is Lynn Lupo again. Um, I work for SAP. And in case you don't know, SAP, we're a global software company based in Waldorf, Germany, with about 2 million users worldwide, which is always kind of amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, within SAP, I work with an industry group um, focusing on wholesale distribution, and I work on go-to-market and enablement efforts both um, internally and externally with partners and customers. Um, you know, I, I have a passion for social selling, but I really have a passion for this topic of multi-generational selling. Um, as someone who's kind of on the older side of the discussion these days, um, I get a little concerned when I hear or read about something uh, where someone is saying that people of a certain age can't be good at, well, anything mm-hmm. really, but digital <laughs> selling for sure. Um, everybody has something to contribute. So I really enjoy helping to promote that idea that, that everyone can contribute to the conversation. Thank you, Lynn. That was very elegantly and eloquently put. What's your thought about being present? And I will tell you, I'm doing a lot of, I'm a broadcaster and I'm doing a lot of uh, video interviews and I'm hosting some live webinars through Zoom. And I am very aware of my physical visual presence, Lynn. I'm talking woman to woman here. So Kurt and Riley, just hang on tight for a second here. And all of our females in the audience or, or anybody. And, and I'm, Lynn, I'm studying makeup videos. I've never done this in my life. I am studying how to, for a, I'm just going to say over 40. Lynn gets why I said that. Any woman over 40 has to apply her makeup a certain way. The lighting has to be good. You have to sit with the direct hopefully daylight in your face rather than behind you. You have to sit at a certain level, look into the camera a certain way, uh, the way you do your eyes, the way you do lips, the way you highlight your face. It all is counting because people, Lynn, people are judging us, aren't they? Don't they make that snap decision now more than just the voice they can see? Oh, look at that. Or wow, look at that. Don't you think there's more of that in, in social selling now that we're visual? I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, first of all, I, I work from home all the time, even before Me too. all this craziness going on. Yep. Um, and I'm usually, you know, in a Led Zeppelin t-shirt with my hair in a ponytail, right? So um, when everyone wanted to start video conferencing, um, you know, you really have to rethink the way you present yourself, as as you said. You know, if people are going to see you, uh, and it's not just an age thing, right? It's it's a, it's a looking professional if you're talking with customers thing or... Um, you know, just making sure that you uh, you have a presence, right, and that you're not just, you know, chomping on your bagel while you're talking on the phone. So um, <laughs> it, it is different. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I've heard that line before. I always dress for Radio Lind. I'm on, I have three shows today and three <laughs> tomorrow. I'm always dressed. Hair, makeup, jewelry, black dress, nice sweater. Uh, I'm always, always, always dressed because that to me is in the moment because I'm broadcasting. So just a sidebar there. Thank you to the three of you. I, I'm sorry to voice that question on you. We don't usually start the discussion right at the top, but I'm 
fascinated with where we are as a culture now, as a global culture, and selling is going on and hopefully going on successfully. Now it's our time to go around the table. I have asked my panelists in advance to send me an interesting quote, a quote that is in on the surface nothing to do with our topic today, and then they're going to explain in their own words why they picked the quote and related to the topic. So let's start with Riley Hopkinson at Grapevine 6, and Riley picked a quote from uh, Tim Duncan, who is actually, uh, let's see, Timothy Theodore Duncan, American professional basketball coach and former player assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA. And this is a quote that goes back, actually, Riley, to when I was a kid. I've heard it over and over. He probably used it in a famous line somewhere. But the quote is, good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. So we will graciously attribute it to Tim Duncan, but I think this goes back to the ages when the, the cavemen were putting stuff on the walls of the cave. So Riley, how'd you pick this quote for today? Talk to me. This is just a quote that uh, sort of has always resonated with me. Um, I, I think I think probably I included it in my high school yearbook uh, many, many years ago. So it's something that uh, that's really resonated me uh, with me. Um, and it's sort of um, been something that I've tried to abide by. It's, uh, it relates to self-improvement and a continuous need to, to learn and adapt and grow. And I think that's, that's something that's really important um, for everybody, whether it's professional or, or, or personal growth. And Riley, let's relate it to our topic today for companies to embrace the concept of multi-generational social selling. Is this something you would say to somebody who says, ah, I'm too old to do this, or wait a minute, Mary can't do that. She's, she's over 50. Why could we ever ask her to be a brand ambassador in social selling for our company? So you think this could be applied to uh, people who are on staff, people who are in management, people who are trying to figure out how to make their employees into brand ambassadors? What's your thoughts? Should we apply it to everybody? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that uh, you know, a lot of the times we come across people um, who are so hesitant to join social because they've done something a certain way for, you know, 20 years and it's worked for them. But um, I find if you're not continuing to grow and adapt uh, and, and learn, you're going to get left behind eventually. Um, you know, we've seen it now with, with such a, a transition into uh, the digital um and if, if people are hesitant to, to continue to change and learn and um, and find uh, sort of their niche with social, then I, I think they're going to be left behind. So, uh, like I said earlier, it's about self improvement and and just continuing to um, ensure that your your good becomes better and your better becomes best. Thank you very much. I do love the quote. I think we grew up with that, at least my generation did. No comments on my generation. We're not going to give it a name right now. Let's go to Kurt Shaver. Kurt has sent us a quote from the wonderful, always quotable Albert Einstein. Actually, many of the things people say he said, he actually did say. Uh, Albert Einstein, 1879 <laughs> to 1955, German-born theoretical physicist, developed the theory of relativity. His best-known work is the creation of the formula E equals MC squared mass energy equivalence. It's been called the world's most famous equation. I think it still stays at that point. He received the 1921 Nobel Prize in physics for his services to theoretical physics and discovery of the law of the photoelectric effect, which contributed to quantum theory. So there, here's the quote Kurt selected. In the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. Talk to me, Kurt. How'd you pick this? 
Well, I think it applies, you know, you can apply it to anything. It's pretty universal. I think if people hear that line in the middle of everything lies opportunity these days, their probably thoughts are going to go right to the COVID pandemic and everything that we're going through. And in, and, and in fact, I actually like um, thinking about what the world will look like in a year, right? I know there's going to be so many changes, but to, but to bring that back to uh, our topic, uh, I'll get there one step at a time. I think sure. on, on a slightly larger scale, you really have digital transformation, which is happening to, has been happening to all businesses probably for 10 or 15 years. And the, and the sales department, by and large, has been very slow to the game of digital uh, uh, transformation. So if we talk about social selling and some of the age differences of the focus of this episode, um, I think that when we look at, at difficulty, I always kind of look at the two extremes of it, right? Really young people or, or senior type people. And they, they each face kind of different types of difficulty in leveraging social networking for business development. And I think a lot of times the opportunity can be um, overcome by them actually working together or learning a little bit uh, about what the other group doesn't uh, know. So that, that's where I think the opportunities are in, in the social selling difficulty. Thank you very much. And we are going to be talking about overcoming those challenges. Uh, I was asked to title this episode, by the way, The Top Five Reasons You Need to Leverage Multi-Generational Digital Selling. I think we're going to have a lot more reasons, so I'm not going to count one, two, three, four, five. I just want to take that pressure off my panelists. So there we go. Lynn Lupo has sent us a quote from Melissa Etheridge, Melissa Lou, L-O-U, Etheridge. She's a young woman born in 1961. Lynn, I'm allowed to say that. She's an American singer, songwriter, guitarist, and activist. Her self-titled debut album, Melissa Etheridge, was released way back in 1988 in another millennium and became an underground success. It peaked at number 22 on the Billboard 200, and she earned her first Grammy Award nomination for Best Rock Vocal Performance female in that year. So there we go. I'm not going to read more of her bio, but a lot of people know who she is. She has a RIAA certification of six times platinum, her largest to date. And yes, I am. Her song peaked at number 15 on the Billboard 200, 138 weeks on the chart. Oh my goodness. Here is the line from the song Chrome Plated Heart. And here's what Lynn Lupo has said to us. The only way I know where the train will go is when I'm sleeping on the tracks. Oh, Lynn, I'm, sh- I'm shuddering on this one. Tell us what this means, please. This is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think it's just an invitation to get into the middle of things, uh, you know, to, to commit that, you know, the only way you can really um, be in charge of your life or your career or your digital selling is to just jump into it. Um, I had this theory about this whole idea of millennials being better than older folks at social media. I think it was really started by an executive who didn't want to know anything about it. So, um, so to me, the quote is just an invitation again, to just uh, jump in and get started. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I love the quote. And also there's danger in it, isn't there, Lynn? On the tracks, there's danger. There, there is. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, you know, again, when you jump into the middle of anything, you're putting yourself out there. So uh, there's always some risk, but there's also reward. 
There you go. There's that risk-reward paradigm. Thank you all for contributing such interesting quotes. Riley Hopkinson at Grapevine 6 is my guest today, along with Kurt Shaver at Vingresso. Kurt, does Vingresso have one S or two? I'm debating that. I see it both ways. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it's a one s or. Yeah, it sounds like oh. something you would order at Starbucks, doesn't it? <laughs> Double latte Vingresso. I think there's a business opportunity there, Kurt, and Lynn Lupo at SAP. Now, we're not going to take a break. We don't take breaks anymore. This is just too good to stop the conversation. I have to do a shout-out to Kirsten Boileau at SAP in Canada for sponsoring this series for the sixth year in a row, and A.J. Arif Johari, who works so hard behind the scenes to bring us wonderful guests like Riley, Kurt, and Lynn, and send me all of the information we need to set up these shows. So thank you, A.J. We appreciate you. Now it's time to look at the discussion statements my panelists have sent me before the show. I'm going to pick one from Riley Hopkinson, who's in the first chair around the table. Riley, I'll read a little bit of this statement, and then I will ask you to expand it, or as they say on the news, unpack it. Then I will invite Kurt to comment, and then Lynn to comment on Riley's statement. And then we'll pick one from Kurt, one from Lynn, and we'll see how much we get covered around the table. So Riley Hopkinson said... Companies and those in sales especially who have not already or are not quick to adopt digital sales strategies will be left behind and lose out to the competition who do. This holds true now more than ever. Riley, you want to start with that one? Yeah, absolutely. I just uh, I think that this is just sort of the new progression when it comes to selling. I think, um, you know, we still hear um, as recently as, as this year and um, sort of the end of my, my discussion statements says that the pandemic has kickstarted this inevitable transition, but um, you know, we still see people um, who are so hesitant to have a presence on social. Um, mm-hmm. And I just don't think that that's a recipe for, for long-term success. Um, I, I, and I think that this pandemic has, has really sort of helped to kickstart at least for a lot of people um, that transition towards digital selling. Um, you know, people who are, are still remain hesitant to change, um, mm-hmm. I think they'll get left behind in the long run. Riley, I'm going to add in part of your statement number three, and then I'm going to go around the table because I think these, these two statements go together. You say, for those hesitant to join social, yeah. we have found a few strategies that have worked, ensuring the new user understands the potential value that can be gained by getting on social. And here's the kicker, pairing a new user with someone more experienced on social to help them understand the ins and outs of each network. Riley, why don't you take another minute to talk about this, then we'll see what Kurt and Lynn have to say. There's good meat on the bones here. Go ahead, Riley. Yeah, I just, I think that um, a lot of the time salespeople can be, be hesitant because, you know, they've had success doing it the traditional way. Um, once we present them with the value that can be had and being a part of social, a lot of the times um, they'll be more willing to, to actually jump in and, and begin sharing on social and, and have a presence. And um, we've used some strategies in the past that have worked that, you know, and whether it is a millennial or whether it's, it's someone who just has some more experience with social, um, you know, pairing them with, someone who's who's new to it and, and sharing the best practices and uh, the ins and outs and um, we've we found that that's been uh, played a big role in, in success of, of new users. 
Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Kurt, lot to unpack there. What do you think about new users helping uh, old, old, let's have more experienced users. I'm not going to use young and old, I promise, or new and old. New users being tutored or mentored by the experienced people on social. And does it matter which age group is the one that's the newbie versus the experienced one? Kurt, add some thought leadership here, please. Sure, yeah. Well, I think it cuts both ways, right? Both both groups, and it, I think it's helpful to, to actually just, let's just talk about them as those stereotypes, right? Yes. Um, we'll talk about young and old or, or inexperienced and experienced. So if we look at those two extremes, uh, both of them have a great strength and both have a great weakness, right? So um, everybody everybody goes to the technology capabilities and things. Oh, the younger people, they, the digital natives grew up with it and they're, you know, comfortable and facile with um, the technology, more, much more so the, than the experienced people that didn't do it for their 30-year career. And that, in general, is true. But the thing that people um, overlook is business acumen and life experience and uh, human rapport building and personal communication. Um, you know, you don't get that in the first you – don't, you don't accrue that entire body of knowledge in a couple of years in business. It usually takes a couple of decades in business. And social, at the end of the day, is communication between people. So, yes, you have to know the technology, but you also have to understand um, human communication, how people perceive things and what's appropriate and what is not. And so, um, you know, Riley's point is a very good one. We, we see great success when companies are doing a kind of a, a, a partner or a buddy system where the younger person's really good on, hey, what button do I click? What app do I use, right? How do I move this thing over here and there? But the more experienced person sort of has that um, experience and business acumen to know what should we say, what should we put in this, right? How should we respond to this particular post? And, And that's where we see a lot of success come together. Thank you very much. Lynn Lupo, love to get your thoughts on this. Join us, please. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd have to agree with, with what both Riley and Kurt have said. Um, I think it's it's good to uh, pair some folks together. I think uh, some of our customers have seen it's really helpful with change management as well. So when you have someone who knows the company and has been around for uh, in the industry we deal with sometimes, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 years, um, they also understand what's come before. And so it helps people to get a little bit more comfortable. Um, I think there's another element to this conversation as well. Um, it, it's not just the different generations in the people creating um, digital selling or digital media, but also those receiving it. And again, the wholesale distribution industry that I work with um, is a lot of mom and pop companies. You know, you have several mm-hmm. generations of a family who own the company and they're still working there, lots of long-term employees. Um, so um, we also have to keep in mind our audience is multi-generational. Uh, they may not be comfortable with social media. So yeah. there's almost a, an additional step there to not to not just start communicating things, but to also help them get comfortable with that and to understand that uh, that it's the same as having that proverbial cup of coffee. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. And now with video conferencing, Lynn, you can have that cup of coffee. I know people who are having cocktail parties with friends and they get actually dressed up to do this, different couples every single night. I think it's great. Thank you, Riley. Good conversation started for our round number one. Let's go to a statement Kurt Shaver sent me. Kurt is just itching 
at the edge of his chair waiting to tell us a story about a man age late 60s who ran rings around peers half his age and the quote uh, that introduces this case study from Kurt is it's not age it's attitude Kurt I gotta let you do this because I know you have something you want to share with us go ahead Oh, yeah, my favorite uh, uh, stereo-shattering um, <laughs> poster boy here. Um, so Doug, Doug was a uh, yeah, late 60s um, uh, insurance professional. He had worked at his – it was a business uh, insurance firm. He'd worked at that firm for 45 years. Uh, he was a senior partner there. And they hired us to do some social selling training and uh, it was a two-day class followed by some virtual coaching. So the two-day class gets ready to start, 9 o'clock one morning. The, the big training room fills up with about 50 brokers, and then comes this old white-haired guy sitting in the back, and I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, what's, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the CEO is just checking in on me for a couple of, you know, minutes, and mm-hmm. then he's going to pop out. Um, well, it turns out Doug goes through the whole two-day class. He's clearly a star in the class. He's not only asking more questions than anybody else, he's actually answering more questions. He was very engaged with it. Over the following couple of months, I, I noticed him. He was one of the first to take my advice to you know, purchase LinkedIn Sales Navigator upgrade. Um, I, I noticed his posts getting very, more frequent and more sophisticated, and he was just drinking the Kool-Aid, right? So after about three months of this, and, and always hearing always hearing prospects say, I don't know if our old people can learn their social stuff. Then I said, <laughs> I went back to Doug and I asked him, I'm like, Doug, you're just, you know, you shatter all the stereotypes. What, what prompted you to embrace social selling so wholeheartedly? And his answer just blew my mind. This is what he said. He goes, well, he goes, when you describe LinkedIn as the Rolodex of the 21st century, uh, he goes, I, I thought to myself, wait a minute, um, you know, I've been in this business for 45 years. I grew up with all the CEOs that are our, that are our clients now that run our, the business that our clients. Um, I served as the president of the local United Way twice. I was a regent for my university, and I belong to the best country club in town. So if you're telling me LinkedIn is a networking game, I'm going to win. <laughs> Wow. Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, this guy was just, this guy was a, a seller. He was a networker. He was a business connection guy. And he realized that he had the best Rolodex in the firm. It just was not digital. It was not 21st century. It was not on LinkedIn. And when that light bulb went off on his in his head, he just tore it up. And so I always just tell him, Doug, whenever, whenever I get, you know, a sales leader say, I'm not sure if I, my, my old people can learn this. I'm just going to pull up your profile. Is that all right? He said, yeah, be my guest. <laughs> I bet he loved that, Kurt. Interesting story. Uh, it does break the age barrier, the, the concept that, yes, you're over a certain age. You can't understand it. You can't think of it. Uh, Kurt, I remember my mom who passed at 100 was still living on her own and uh, playing piano, mahjong, and bridge up till the, the day she got the flu. We didn't know that, and, and it took her life, but that was way before what we're going through now. She had friends who absolutely, their, their children 
these women were, most of them were widows in their 80s, 90s, their children would give them a cell phone, say, okay, ma, okay, grandma, here you go. Or they give them a laptop and say, let me show you what you can do with this. And a lot of them gave the devices back to their kids and they said, no, thank you. I'm just going to pick up the phone or go have coffee with someone. I don't want to do it. My mother embraced it all. She was, she was listening to my, my internet radio shows in her 90s and she was bookmarking stuff and doing research, looking stuff up online. And, and so it is not age, it's attitude. I love that opener. Lynn, let's get your thoughts on this. Do you have any case studies? I don't want to put any pressure on you because I know I didn't ask for those, but comments on this Doug and this multi-generational. And let's look at it from the perspective of, as Lynn said, not just who's in your, who's in your cadre of people who work for your company, but who you're audience is going to be. And I mentioned this in my opening, Lynn, that you will be able to address the needs and the preferences of a multi-generational audience of customers and prospects as well. Lynn, what do you think of Doug and what would you like to say? Well, I love the story. Um, you know, it, it's it's really clear that when someone gets it, they, they get it. You know, they, they jump in and, and uh, really make use of it. Um, I think somewhat it goes to the type of person you are as well. I mean, it sounds like Doug was a social person anyway. Um, not everyone is. Not everyone in your company and not every one of your customers. Um, you know, it's an acquired taste, if you will, to be out there on social. Um, so I think for those people, you know, we need to look at it as a job skill. Um, I think Riley kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, if you can take a class or you, if you can understand that, that that skill is something that can help you, um, I think you're going to do better. Um, within SAP, we have people who are kind of social media uh, experts, if you will. And, um, you know, I, I talk with those people all the time about how to do a better job. I don't feel that I'm a very social person. So I get it when someone says, gee, you know, I really, really don't know how this is going to help me. I can see I kind of have to be there. Um, it's all about seeking it out and and, um, and owning it a little bit. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Riley Hopkinson at Grapevine 6. Let's go around the table to you. Thoughts about Doug and our story? You have anything to share on that? Any comments? Yeah, I think that's, that's fantastic. The, uh, I, I just love that, the Rolodex of the 21st century. I think that's, uh, that's so true. Um, and it kind of comes back to... Um, Salespeople are just understanding uh, the value of the platform, and um, that's obviously the case with, with Doug there. And, and you know, I've, I've talked to, to users regardless of their age. You know, I've, I've had people who are, are in their 50s and have a, a better understanding of social than uh, some people that we work with that are in their 20s. And this particular uh, user was, was asking me when our platform is going to support TikTok, which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it even goes, I'm a millennial and it, it, it's something that you don't see many millennials even on. So um, it, it, it's just, like I said earlier, understanding the value of social and, and, uh, and diving into it. Thank you very much. I'm going to do something a little bit different here. Kurt, anything you want to wrap up that topic with? I'm going to go to Lynn now. We're going to, we're going to play the game of what are the top five reasons. We're just going to tick off the reasons why your company needs to leverage multi-generational digital selling. But Kurt, any wrap up about the story of Doug? We all love Doug now. Yeah. Well, uh, Doug got his 50 years 
in at the company. He made it to 50 <laughs> years. He retired a couple a couple of years ago. So I'm not sure if he's keeping up on his LinkedIn, but I'm sure he's keeping up his social activities because uh, Lynn was right. That, that, that's the kind of guy he was. I'm going to suggest that you write a note to Doug and you do it on LinkedIn. Find him, Kurt, and say, we were talking about you on SAP Game Changers <laughs> Radio today, and everybody I'll wants to I'll know how you are. Send him the episode. You have the link for the replay, which will be available later today. You have that already in the notes and the promo. And tell him that uh, AKA Radio Red says, hey, Doug, you rock, okay? I would appreciate it. And how long ago was this story, uh, Kurt? Was it this year, last year? Uh, about five years ago. Okay. All right, about good. Five years ago, I think that we did the training, yeah. Okay, so he's older than me. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to say that. I, I, I was doing the math. Nobody say a word, not a word. Nothing out of any of you. Okay, Lynn, let's talk. About, I'm looking at your statements, Lynn, and I think we've covered a lot of these. So we generalize any group's abilities. We shortchange everyone. Yes. Decision makers range from millennials to baby boomers. Yes. Our customers at our workforce are multi-generational. Not everyone is comfortable with social media. I think we've talked about this. And social media can oh, as a way to provide and value and build relationships. So, Lynn, let's, let's go take this at a higher level and say, what would your first reason be or your first for, why don't we make it tips for incorporating social selling into the full range of ages and what we'll call demographic cohorts in a company's workforce? Lynn, why don't you just toss out one main reason and tell us a little bit of detail. Then, Riley, I'm giving you a, a time to set yourself up. And, Kurt, let's just go around the table and finish the show. we got about 15 more minutes. And let's give tips on how to make it happen and overcome the challenges. So, Lynn, I'm putting you in the hot seat. I hope you don't mind. What are What is a tip you would tell a company that says, well, not everybody's doing it here? How would you help them get through that? Well, I think, you know, one thing that we, we haven't talked about that I think is really a top reason is, you know, it's it's a one-to-many approach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in the old days, it was really driving to a customer or calling a customer one-to-one. Now with digital media, we can reach so many more people all at one time. So you can never really forget that personal touch. But I think um, getting your message out there, getting your, your products or solutions out there in, the, in digital um, gets to way more people in a shorter period of time. Interesting. And how would you tell that to somebody who was, uh, let's say, a boomer in the workforce? How would you just explain that to them? Hey, it takes the sting out of having to go on one-on-one uh, conference call, one-on-one calls, one-on-one meetings. Would would you say this is a way to optimize the value of your energy and your time? What what would be the selling point for somebody to do that then? Yeah, I, I think it's just what you said. You know, I, I would say, you know, why get in your car and drive to 10 locations where you, you can send something out in, you know, 15 or 20 minutes to put some thought to it and uh, and move on to other things. You know, make those personal phone calls to follow up. But it's, it's you know, uh, get to more people faster. I like that. I like that a lot. Riley Hopkinson, you're up. What would you give as a tip for using social media across the workforce in a company or why they should be doing it? What would you like to share? Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's probably the the most authentic version of marketing. Um, mm. as, as Lynn said, in addition to that, um, you know, it, it, it's one to many. You can portray yourself on social as a thought leader in your industry, and and when you do that, um, you know, people will come to you. You'll be able to sell to them um, in a much more efficient manner. Um, 
you know, a lot of the time when uh, you're looking for a product or whatever it may be, you want to you want to be able to trust that that person knows what they're talking about. So um, I think that's the biggest thing that I, I would say when people are hesitant uh, to get started on social. Thank you, Riley. And I'm going to fortify what you just said with some some of your notes from Statement 2 that we didn't talk about yet. You you wrote me before the show. You yeah. said 74% of consumers rely on social media to help with their decisions. That's from the ODM group. And a LinkedIn study found that 81% of buyers are more likely to engage with someone who has a strong digital brand. Riley, you want to add a little bit to that strong digital brand concept? Yeah, absolutely. I think... All of us on the call and all of us listening have gone on social or, or gone online and, and done some research uh, about anything that we're going to buy before we actually buy it. And I think um, what that LinkedIn study sort of further indicates is that, um, you know, if someone has a strong strong presence on social, they present themselves in a professional way. Um, it's only going to do wonders for us in terms of uh, ensuring that uh, people are going to buy with you. Thank you very much. Kurt Shaver, you're in the hot seat right now for Ben Gresso. I know you're ready for this. What is a tip or a strategy you would share with our listeners on how to get around any fear or holding back on using social throughout the workforce? Well, I'm going to give you a a strategy that's really aimed at leadership, and that would Mm -hmm. be... Uh, you, you have to start with marketing and sales alignment by the leaders of the company. If you just look at the term social selling, you know, it's split right down the middle, half and half. The social piece, marketing are the experts in. Um, guess who's the expert in selling? That's right. Sales is the expert in selling. Yep. So it, it, it's really a... Uh, it's a team effort. Um, social selling relies so heavily on content. Marketing are the people that are staffed. They're the people that have the expertise. Uh, they're the people in some cases have the authority for marketing messages, but they don't have the reach that the sales uh, people have, kind of as um, Lynn just referenced, right? They don't have the reach. So I always think of it as like mar- in social selling, the marketing department is, is the brains and the sales force is the brawn, right? So marketing, great, beautiful, fantastic content, but wide limited to your web page, your one LinkedIn site, your one Twitter site. You know, if you got a thousand salespeople with a thousand connections each, that's a million, that's an audience of a million people that you need a strategy of marketing and sales alignment for. Thank you, Kurt. I'm going to dive into your statement number three. I'm going to ask you about that, and then we'll go around the table and see what Lynn and Riley have to say. This is a good one. Kurt says, what I've learned from young colleagues, and he's not referencing what young means here about social networks and apps, he's learned how to use newer communication tools like Snapchat. He's learned how to add emojis and giffies, jiffies, to make an email and text more fun. He's learned how to maximize views of your YouTube videos. He's learned how to host virtual happy hours with multiplayer online games. Kurt, you want to tackle one or two of these? And, and I think we've been talking, I think our audience is, is thinking that we're talking mostly about B2B and LinkedIn. We haven't talked about any of these newer, more fun, uh, more, let's say, freestyle types of communications tools on social. So, Kurt, let's talk about the value of these newer opportunities to be social for sales. Go ahead, Kurt. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you actually positioned it that way, Bonnie. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it. These are um, many times newer and and fun, and they have different purposes. But I think as you play with them and you sort of build your repertoire, it really builds your overall skill set for really anything social. There's elements and lessons you can learn in one that translate into sort of like new benefits into the other. Um, you know that there was that old, that book. I can't remember who did it. There was that old book. Everything. Um, Oh, everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten. Oh, like I'll find out. Go ahead. 20, yeah, it was 20 years ago. And um, so every, everything I learned about all these new social things I learned from my nieces and nephews, right, that range from 8, I think, 17 to 31. And, uh, and, we're, and we're engaged in a lot of things, particularly over the last couple of months, um, as they're all dispersed around the country and we're trying to get together and, you know, whether it's virtual happy hours or we're playing things, uh, my current favorite is an app called House Party. But all of these things, Snapchat, House Party, Giphy's, uh, my 17-year-old nephew told, it, told me some great tricks how to optimize our Vengresso YouTube channel because Ooh. he is a gamer and he runs a, he's got his own YouTube channel you know, for gaming. So, uh, the, all, you know, I mean, like these, they're into these things. I mean, he spends like five hours a day doing this thing. Of course, he's going to know a lot about it. So I, I think that the, the lessons that we can learn from people that are just immersed in one tool or another, like why not accelerate the learning curve? Why not learn from somebody who's, you know, got their 10,000 hours in on Snapchat? <laughs> Uh, and they can teach us, you know, how to use the bunny filters on our ear and things like that. So I, I, I just love learning from the from the youngsters. I love that, Lynn. Why don't you join us? Thoughts about this? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I, I think that the um, the reason or, or the impetus for me to write the blog that you referenced earlier was mm-hmm. uh, a couple of young people in my life, my niece and, and a friend of hers, were uh, schooling me on what young people like to see online. Um, It was an interesting conversation. But, uh, you know, I have a tendency to ask, what's this for? And I remember uh, getting introduced to Twitter and saying, I I don't get it. You know, you get 100 and how many characters and what? what, how do you use this? Um, But by just jumping in and doing it, I I think you, you find the purpose in it. Uh, the same with some of these other more more fun things like Snapchat. Um, no one can really explain to you what it's for. You have to just, uh, again, jump in and, and experience it and see what it's for and, and let yourself go. You know, Not everything online needs to be serious, right? We can just go have fun. I appreciate that. I like that. Have fun. We don't usually talk about fun when we talk about social selling. We talk very seriously, don't we, Lynn? Building relationships and your digital brand. And we don't say, hey, it's okay to have a fun persona and to be the life of that virtual happy hour, I think. Is that okay, Lynn, for somebody to be a, in a in a social selling virtual happy hour and actually have fun? What do you think? I think fun is allowed. I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Lupo says it's allowed. We're going to see an SAP Brand Voice article, blog on Forbes from Lynn Lupo saying it's okay to have fun on social selling. I like that. We'll see what see what your colleagues at SAP have to say about that. Riley Hopkinson, we have a couple more minutes. Any other tips you'd like to add? Any thoughts about what are your favorite newer communication tools for social selling besides the ones we've mentioned or ones we have mentioned? What do you think? Yeah, I, 
I have to agree with what uh, what Lynn said. Um, she talked about having fun, and what we like to talk about uh, quite frequently is just being authentic, being yourself. I think at the end of the you know, at the end of the day, we're all people, and um, you know we have. Uh, I, I've seen success from people who share um, anything and, and everything to do with their personal life, and then um, nothing to do necessarily with their industry. And they've had tremendous success and grown a huge following on Facebook and Twitter and, and whatever it may be. And, and that in turn has has led to them, um, you know, doing doing quite well at, at their sales job. Um, one example, uh, we had a we had a woman who shared strictly um, content that had to do with uh, her children and and being a mom, and um, it just turned out that um, someone who had engaged with her content quite frequently, um, you know, uh, happened to be in the market for uh, one of the products that she was selling, and she didn't even realize that um, that she was in that industry and, um, it's just a product of, of her, uh, having a presence on social to begin with. So, uh, like Glenn oh. said, about sharing what you know and having fun with it and, and just jumping in and doing it. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm going to give my own digital branding tip and then Riley, you can get ready with your 60 second prediction and then Kurt and then Lynn and then we'll wrap it up. My, my brand, uh, my social selling tip is that make sure you are very careful and conscious of the background you have when you're on video conferencing for any purpose to do with your company's brand or your personal brand. Think about what is on that bookshelf. I just saw on Twitter there's a contest for how a, you can't judge a book by a cover, but you could judge people on, on video conferencing by the books on their bookshelf behind them. What do you have that represents mm-hmm. you? Is it clean? Is it interesting? I took a, a piece of an artwork, a a watercolor painting a collage I did, adding some jewelry to it. I put it in Photoshop, added a, a gradated pink and purple overlay to the artwork, and then put my other brand, which is Radio Red. That's my personal radio name. And I put text on it, and I use that as a background on a virtual publicity summit I was invited to attend over the weekend. Everybody knew exactly who I was, what my name was. They saw me on my brand. So think about using the logo for your company, getting somebody easily in Photoshop to make wallpaper from that logo, and make sure your people have the company identity behind them on social. Even without a green screen, it will work. That's my tip. Riley Hopkinson, 60 seconds. What's your prediction on where this is all going the reasons to leverage multi-generational digital or social selling. What do you see, Riley? Yeah, I, I think it. I, I think it's only going to be further um, expedited because of the pandemic. But I, I think businesses will sort of start to put less of a, a focus on um, you know physical locations and, and real estate for their company, and I think more more businesses will support remote work. Um, and that will only enhance the need for a digital a digital presence for uh, for salespeople. Um, you know whether you're whether you're looking for a job or, or you're you're selling or, or just being an advocate for your company. Um, I think that that this whole pandemic has just expedited the process um, into digital and remote work, um, and, and likely less face to face interaction. Um, so I think that's the, the big transition that, that's happening and is, is sort of upcoming for the next uh, five years or so. 
Thank you very much. I like that. Let's go to Kurt Shaver and Vengresso with one S. <laughs> Kurt, you got to forgive me for that. I fixed it. Kurt, what do you see coming up the pike down the road wherever we're going with social selling, digital selling? Well, I completely agree with Riley. I mean, I don't think anybody could argue that the world is not going to be changed by this uh, social distancing, and it's just going to be more digital. Uh, there, there's no denying it at all. Uh, you know, I look at the period that we're in right now kind of from a, from a sports metaphor standpoint. Um, th- th- this is sort of like the off-season in a way. Like there's not a lot of games being played in terms of interaction with your, your customers and clients. A lot of people are kind of hunkered down. So I think, you know, companies have one of two choices. They can either let their players sit around, get fat, drink beer, not exercise, start smoking three packs a day, or they can say, you know what, guys, let, uh, guys and gals, let's get in shape. Uh, you know, let's, let's hone our skills. Let's maybe, let's, you know, let's, let's learn a new uh, tactic um, so that when everything, so when the season starts, we're ready to go. And I think that that's really what the smart companies are doing right now. Okay, ready to go. When the season starts of anything, you're ready to go. And we can make a different version of when that season starts right now while we're sequestered. Lynn Lupo, ready for you to have the last word. I got barely 60 seconds. Go, Lynn. Uh, Well, you know, I think for all of us, technology is becoming more a part of our personal lives. Uh, There are certain things that you you have to do on your phone now. You can no longer do them any other way. So I think that that all of us of any age are going to become more and more comfortable or at least more proficient at using all of that technology. And, And that, of course, can carry over into our work lives and the way that we get information out to our customers and our stakeholders. Thank you very much. We're very well done. Riley Hopkinson, such a pleasure to meet you. Kurt, welcome back. Lynn, lovely to have you on, all of you. Again, a shout-out to AJ. That's Arif Johari at SAP for his work behind the scenes and series sponsor, Kirsten Boylo. I hope you are both very well and staying safe, as I say to everybody. So I want to also thank my engineer the, with the nerves of steel at World Talk Radio. That's Voice America, the business channel, Aaron Keller. You rock, Aaron. And here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? I usually say go out and be a game changer today. I might say stay in and be a game changer today. Just like Riley Hopkinson at Grapevine 6. Just like Kurt Shaver at Ven Gresso with one S. I'll never get past that, Kurt. And just like Lil Lupo at SAP also with one S. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Be well, be safe, be smart. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.